Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and you've clicked play on our Earwolf Presents podcast. Welcome. Each week, you'll hear a special episode from the Earwolf universe of podcasts. Might be something completely original, might be something brand new. Not this week. This week, you're going to hear an episode of Beautiful Anonymous, my show, Beautiful Stories from Anonymous People, where I take phone calls. This is an episode called The Puppet Master. I will tell you, the thing I love most about my show is I never know where it's going to go. And honestly, the people who call me don't always know where it's going to go. Our caller thought this was going to be all about his work life. Started telling me what what it's like working as a 3D animator. It's interesting enough. And then something happened. The caller laughed. And you will hear that everything became about the laugh. And you'll know immediately why. And I'm very proud of this episode. I actually had someone stop me on the street once and say that anytime their daughter is in a bad mood, anytime their daughter's throwing a tantrum or having a bad day, they get in the car, they put this episode on and they laugh to feel better. That makes me feel good. Maybe you're just discovering it for the first time. Maybe it'll do that for you. Who knows? Check out Beautiful Anonymous on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, the Sirius XM app, or wherever you listen. Enjoy. Hello to all the shop kids. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Beautiful Anonymous. First full episode of the new year. Happy New Year to everybody. Happy 2018. Get the sense talking to people. Every single week, I talk to people. 2017, 2016 too. You know what I noticed? People felt frustrated, man. That's the common bond between a lot of the people who call this show, a lot of people I call, talk to in real life. Frustrated, nervous, scared people. 2018, I'm really hoping, becomes a year where we all pull our heads out from that sand. Get warm with each other, empathetic, connect with each other. That's why I'm so proud of this show and so lucky to be a part of this show. Because it's about people connecting with each other. It's about and and for a show that's one-on-one, that Facebook community that's rallied around it has become such a positive place where people just want to connect, learn about each other, take care of each other. It's a cool thing. Thank you, everybody, for allowing me to kick off my new year with you. This week's episode is a good one. It's a good one. It's maybe <laughs> 
is maybe as hard as I've ever laughed during the show. I'll let you guys be the judge of that. Before I get into what that is, I will tell you uh, the the Bell House show is coming up in February. ChrisGeth.com for tickets. We got three. We got a residency. A residency. How fancy is that? A beautiful, anonymous, live taping residency. Three different weeks in February taping the show live at the Bell House in Brooklyn, one of the best venues there is. I'm telling you, these shows are, uh, the first one's very close to selling out, and the other two, I think, are going to sell out as well. So get on it now. If you're in New York or you want to get to New York for those shows, it's going to be really fun. The third one is the anniversary. The 100th episode will be released the same week. It's going to be a party. Have a good time. I'll see you there. ChrisGeth.com. Links to all those tickets. Now this episode, what should I say? I'm going <laughs> to, I don't even know. I don't even know how much I want to give away, Jared. I don't know how much I want to give away. Let's say uh, this guy, he, had a, uh, he has a cool job, very interesting job, able to tell us about both his job, technology, how technology interacts with humanity, able to tell us about what it's like maybe not having an ideal childhood. But most of all, this person, something happens that's so unique to them that changes everything. I would argue not just about this phone call, but about my world in general. Blew my mind. You may have just heard Jared burst out laughing, but you also know it's true and that I mean it. This, uh, you'll know. <laughs> Guys, listen to this one because this is the perfect balance of a lot of interesting things being said and then something so unexpected and so, so random and silly that I don't know how to react to it and I will never forget it. And I think it's a great way to kick off the new year. Happy 2018, everybody. Let's make it a good one. Enjoy the phone call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Yeah, hello? Hi. Yeah, is this you? Yeah, hi. Hi, how you doing, man? How am I doing? Uh, let's see. Doing better. I had a very long week, very good week, but I'm feeling pretty good today. I'm, I'm, I'm a little, for a guy who's uh, supposed to be taking it easy all of a sudden this time of year, I'm running around. I got a little sick on Monday, and then I went and did a... Oh, that's not good. Yeah, and then I flew to California, and I gave a, a talk to some guys from the Navy, so I was traveling a lot. A talk to the guys from the Navy, how was that? It was interesting. It was a little out of my depth. Uh, I want to say hello to everybody from the Argonauts, the Argonauts Squadron on the USS Nimitz. But yeah, uh, you know, the mil- there's a lot of issues with depression and suicide in the military, so they screened my uh, HBO special, and then I talked with a bunch of the the ladies, oh, wow. the ladies and men there. Yeah, very intense, very intense, and hard to do. But I was proud to do it. And uh, yeah. You would think, you'd think as, a liberal, as a liberal artist that uh, I'm supposed to be, you know, the, me, and the, me and the military, that the values don't match. But what happens is you go, to, you go meet people in person, you realize a lot of these people are just young kids who are trying to help, trying to help the world. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. It's, uh, it's very interesting. I have a lot of friends in the military, and some have changed completely. You know, like their personality kind of gets erased sometimes, and, and, and some just... They come out the same. Yeah. It, it really pushes their, their personalities and their boundaries. And it's pretty crazy. Yeah. It, I, I, like, I like meeting individuals from all walks of life, as anybody who listens to this podcast knows. And uh, you look yeah. somebody in the eye and they're like a 22-year-old who's like, yeah, no, I wanted to help, help people, help my community, help my country. It's always nice to see. And, you know, 
It's always important to remember that the uh, actual individuals trying to help us and protect us are not the ones setting policies that we may or may not like. So it was it was interesting and it was flattering to be out there, but it was also in a you know Fresno, not the easiest place to get to from New York City. And I'm very I had definitely not. travel nightmares. Blah blah blah. Well, God, yeah. I really want to say yeah yeah. Uh, be, be, before we get started, I just want to say thank you for your show. I appreciate it. Thank uh, you. It really helps me on my on my drives around town. That's um, awesome. And uh, at the moment, just to set, just to set the setting, I'm looking at around, I'm looking at around 20 ducklings just swimming around the lake. Ducklings. I can see it in my mind. Little ones. Ducklings. Yeah, there's three mama ducks and about 20 of them. They're they're just hats. So many ducklings. I do feel bad that I just shouted. Yeah. I can see it in my mind when we recently had a caller who cannot see things in her mind. I know. Apologies to that caller. I know that. That call really, as as an artist, that call, I I felt with her. You know, like if I didn't have that, I would not be in in the line of work that I do for a living. And it's like, it's crazy. You're an artist. That's cool. A um, vis- visual artist. Yeah. I'm a 3D artist. 3D uh, so artist. You know what's funny? I was actually thinking about if I were get on the show, I would tell you about a line of work a lot of people aren't aware of, and it's uh, it's. I'm like the puppet master, right? So when it what? comes to creating 3D characters, yeah, the puppet master. So when it comes to creating 3D characters <laughs> like uh, like Woody from Toy Story, I'm I'm the guy that comes in and they hand me the model, right? So they hand me Woody and I go ahead and I create the mechanics that go inside of them to be then handed off to an animator. And a better way of saying it is it's like if you have a, an old Toyota and you just have the body, you hand that to, to the mechanic and he creates a transmission in the engine and then you hand it to the other guy and he drives it. I'm the guy in the middle. I'm the mechanic for 3D characters. Wow. You know, so it's a really interesting job. Yeah. And a lot of it has to do with, with, with knowing the body, knowing how things should work. And then sometimes you get handed some characters that you're like, wait a second, how am I supposed to make this thing work? You know? I like that you, you initially said like, I'm a puppet master. And I took that to me, you know, like <laughs> puppet master is a phrase where I'm like, oh, that's like a sinister, like you're working behind the scenes. And it's like, oh no, you're like an actual master of, of, yeah, pu- cool. of puppets. You work with puppets. You master yeah, the puppets. You're a puppet quite master. Quite literally, yeah. So yeah, you're a puppet master. There's I, nothing sinister about it. Um, it's it's a fun job you know and and it's extremely rewarding that sounds cool so uh, so you say that you're like a mechanic for for, for puppets so does this mean the sort of thing of like so before the animators get to work are you the one so are you looking at things like let's make sure that the finger joints on this model look in some way like actual finger joints that will Like and, yeah, yeah. and knees and, Actually, and rib placement. Like you're looking at actual things like this, like the actual functionality. Well, yeah. So first thing I do is they hand me a model and I got to look at the topology. And, and what that is, is, I mean, no one gets to see this because you'll, you'll see a final textured rendered character that looks beautiful. Um, but what I do is I look at the actual topology within the character, which is like the, the lines that make up that model. Because um, if those don't flow correctly, then to be honest with you, the you you won't get a well 
deforming character. Like the fingers won't curl correctly. Like it won't have the folds. And so a, a lot of my job starts with talking with the modelers themselves and making sure that they they get some good edge flow going, which is the technical terms. I, I don't want to throw too much jargon out there. I can uh, handle some edge I've flow. Realized, especially, okay, okay. Especially with my girlfriend, I've, I've realized that I'll talk to her about things and then she'll, she'll just like, I'll go over her head. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, sometimes it's, it's normal for me to say these things regularly. Yeah. So you, uh, but, but yeah. So, is, so, so this is specifically with animated characters. This is not, this is not like your, uh, your Andy Circus, your Jar Jar Binks, like a human where they do the ping pong ball motion capture type thing. This is different than mocap. No, actually, to be honest, and I did meet him rather recently. Jar Jar Binks? Um, Andy Circus. Andy no, Circus. Andy Circus. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I met Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, me too. So Andy Circus' job, and there's a lot of there's a lot of conflict between what people say and what he says, and because I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but. He, He's come out and said that animators don't do a, a like they don't do anything. That he does most of the work. And uh, I had this conversation with him, and and I asked him his opinion on it because it's kind of like a sore a sore spot in in, in the industry. Who knew? And I who knew? I happen the, to agree with Andy. You do? Huh? I was just going to say on the outside, none of us knew that Andy Circus was at the center of such controversy amongst animators. Yeah, it's. It's a controversy because to put out a character, you know, like Woody from, from Toy Story, and I'll come back to that because it's, it's, it's the easiest uh, reference that most people get. He, he was animated by a lot of people. It, just, it, it wasn't just one of them, right? And so when it comes to Gollum, Gollum was, was acted out with, with one individual, and a lot of animators came and tweaked that to make, it, to make the final piece, Right. Um, because they had to extend certain things because the character didn't completely match Andy. And yeah. so he said a few times that, or something along the lines, I, I, I don't want to be quoted on the fact that he said this and that, right? So he did mention how he does most of the job and the animators shouldn't get the credit for a lot of the things, something along those lines, maybe not exactly that. He's right to a certain extent because anim- an, a- an animator's job is to get the feel of the character and to get the soul of the character out of the puppet, you know, that I create and then and just make the audience believe in this person. And I happen to agree with Andy in the sense that he does a great job in actually getting uh, these characters to feel and getting just like the personality out there and the animators come and they do, they have to tweak a lot of things because for some reason, I think he did, um, he did the planet of the apes character as well. Those you are know, my like favorite movies. doesn't look like it. Yes. It's an amazing movie. The new, his face doesn't, the, the, I was just going to say those new, uh, planet of the apes, that trilogy might be the high point of, uh, cinema to me. The, those are my favorite. Those are the best movies, man. Those, Apes ride horses and shit. The best. Anyway, but I see what you're saying. So, like, he already provides the soul. He provides the emotional core, um, which in a mocap sense gives them that. Whereas animators who are doing non-mocap animation, like you mentioned, they have to 
they have to build that and account for that from the ground up. Yeah. 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 It's intense. So, yeah, it's really interesting to see. I see a lot of points in the industry that, you know, there are a lot of insights that the common person who just goes to the cinema and watches films or plays video games, they they don't see uh, a lot of these things. And it's really interesting point of view. Yeah, I have a question that I've always had, and I feel like you might be the actual person who can answer it. This is a this is a question I've had for like fif- okay. fifteen years, uh, maybe a little less than okay. that, but that I feel like you uh, are, are uniquely poised to answer. Okay, I don't want too much pressure. No, go ahead. I'll try my I mean, best. The worst that happens, you're like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not the person to ask, and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have hyped that up so much. My bad. Don't worry <laughs> about it. So, but I, I feel like you'll actually okay. have a lot of insight on this. So I, I remember, I remember, like, I feel like one of the first, uh, like for me, I, I remember going to see Shrek. I remember that being like, um, something that, that's akin to what we're talking. And I remember seeing like when animation took this turn, I remember always feeling like the one thing they haven't nailed is like eyes, is the human eyes that feel like they have emotion. Like I remember specifically watching Shrek 2 and being like, it's so creepy because the eyes just aren't quite right. Like, the eyes quite can't, can't quite... And now they've nailed that. Now, like, Pixar in particular, it's like, uh, you know, and I feel like the br- human brain wants to recognize human eyes all the time, right? Like, that's just the instinct is, like, latch onto another human's eyes. Now they got that right. What has developed in animation eye technology over the past handful of years that has made that shift so profound? Your turn. So, yes, that is part of my job. Damn, um, that guy fixed the eyes. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll tell you something. There's, there's a phrase, and you can look it up later. Uh, it's called the uncanny valley. Have you heard of the uncanny valley? I've heard this phrase. I do not know anything about it. I will say Harry in the booth okay, just so, put, quote, uncanny valley roughly 30 seconds ago, which is an amazing, <laughs> amazing. He just wrote that okay, on my computer so, screen. So the uncanny valley is, is, is essentially... Uh, where digital content that you're looking at gets creepy and like where you go too realistic with, with an aspect or the whole thing. And it just gets really creepy because our brain can decipher what's cartoony and we can accept that. Right. And it can decipher what's real because we see that every day and we can accept that, but there's an in between, right? It's kind of like a cliff. That's why they call it the uncanny Valley. It's like you just dropped off the cliff and it just doesn't feel right at all. Really? And so, so you guys, so you guys can, an error you can make is actually making it feel too real. Yes. Ooh. Well, ma- making it feel just almost real enough. Yeah. Because our, our eyes will be able to tell you as a, as a viewer, this doesn't look right. There's something off about this. And then it gives you that sense of, you know, weirdness. Wow. And so in, over time, as programs that we use as artists, um, evolved, and, and not only that, but techniques evolved, we've been able to create better systems for, for just eye controls, you know, because when it comes to creating a, a character, that, that is part of the job, is to stick a joint in the eye and just get it to move around, right? But not only that, now, now you got to get the eyelids to look right. You got to get the eyebrows to look right, because you're, you're, you might be looking at the eyes, because that's where, you, it's, it's like the phrase goes, you could tell a sober person through the eyes or something. I'm not sure that's how it goes, but something like that. Yeah. Eyes are the window we, to the soul. There you go. 
So teamed up. We 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 have uh, we look at a lot of data, um, and then especially with Snapchat and all these companies coming out with all these AR stuff, we we look at all the videos and and and, and really look at the minute details, and have come up with systems that can easily recreate those. You know. And so when it comes to, when, to doing films like Life of Pi or Avatar or, you know, or, or, or even um, Night of the Apes. Yes, the best. The artists know what they're doing. They, they know what they're doing because they're really digging in and doing their research and, and just, it's, it's hard because it's working extremely long hours just to get this one part right. That if you don't get it right, really throws off a everyone else's work, you know? Right. So. Right. Yeah. Because I think about the S, even thinking about Pixar, like I can see in my head, and again, oh, I feel so bad. What a bad episode to, because just so everybody knows, you and I are taping this, I think the the week after, that's the most recent episode we released. So I keep saying, I can see what you're saying in my head. I, and you and I are taping it when it literally just came out, the, the caller who can't see any of this. I, yeah. I apologize. I did hear that one, so. Yeah. I can't, yeah. you must have had a weird reaction to that one. But I like thing in Pixar, like I can see, I shut my eyes, I see Toy Story. I remember Woody blinking his eyes and it's, it's a toy. It doesn't look so real. You compare that with like Coco, which I just watched and it's like night and day. Like the way the technology has progressed even since then, those eyes on those characters are just, uh, they're able to get somewhere different that they weren't able to get 10 years ago, huh? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And e- e- even for me, you know, uh, the first movie that blew my mind and made me want to do what I do, I saw it when I was a kid, and it was um, it was Dinosaurs. I don't know if you remember that one. Dinosaurs. Uh, it was essentially there was a uh, a meteorite that struck, and then all these dinosaurs had to move uh, uh-huh. around. Okay. Uh-huh. It, it was really real. It was like not re- completely realistic, but it was it was really close. And so that movie really inspired me. And one of the things that captivated me about about it was the eyes. Because to me, as a kid, right, as an adult, you could like I saw a movie recently. I was like, "Wow, this is this is really outdated." But as a child, <laughs> I, I, like it was real. I was looking through the windows, right back to the Jurassic era, and it's like, it's it's I don't know, it's really interesting. Yeah, and has it since since we got into it, this uncanny valley concept, this idea that you can. Not you can make it not realistic enough. You can make it too realistic. There's a sweet spot in which an audience will feel comfortable sitting and watching it. Are there any examples? I, I mean, I I feel like maybe all of us have in mind those pictures. Like like I can point to things and be like, oh yeah, that one didn't feel realistic. Are there any famous examples of projects where people got too realistic and like past that tipping point, um, creeped out their audiences where it felt a little too real? Yes. But off the top of my head, I can't tell you, and and, and I don't want to just pull a movie out and stick it in that, right under that umbrella. Um, so I don't want to say anything without being certain of the one. But yes, I've I've seen a few that have really struck me in a weird way. Yeah, and I'm like this just I I got I, I gotta stop. Unsettling. Gotta stop. Maybe we can Google that. Maybe maybe uh, if you wouldn't mind, Harry, googling like uncanny value. Who's who's taking it too far? Maybe we'll get some examples so you're not the one throwing them under the bus, but we can still get your professional opinion. <laughs> We'll look some up. Okay. Now, now, what type of stuff? So, so do you, do you work on like big budget stuff? Are you working on smaller scale things? Where are you at in your career? 
Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in a startup company. You are. And I can't say much because it's a very secretive company, Ooh. and so I'm I, I'm working a lot into into like experiences on on stuff that would be on game engines and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've I've signed way too many papers and I can't say a lot of things to be honest. No, that's totally fair. <laughs> I will say gaming seems to be a thing, especially for the because gamer gamers. There's a whole culture of gaming. People don't realize so much technology these days develops out of gaming and then makes its way to other entertainment areas. And the future, the future, people also don't realize there's been years, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, where some of the biggest earning, uh, monetarily entertainment platforms of the year are actually games, not movies, right? Games have started to to match movies as far as the actual amount of money they generate. Yeah, that's correct. And that, and it's being backed up even by uh, a slow rising trend, which is esports. You know, uh, there's there, there's a huge. I mean, I don't I don't have time to play games anymore. It's sad because I I quite literally make them. Uh, but but esports is yeah. becoming like the whole new football. It's like in and it's also because of of the culture and the kids growing up today and what to them is. Is good looking and, and what they want to do, you know, it's, yeah. they stay indoors more. And so they play video games. And so they, they stream people playing video games on Twitch, which is, which is our version of going over to your friend's house and watching him play Super Nintendo. Right. Which I know you didn't play much games growing up, but you no, had. Growing up, I did. If, if, growing oh, up, okay, okay. I had, you'll appreciate this story because I think you'll know this it pinpoints my age perfectly. It pinpoints exactly my culture. And as someone who's immersed in gaming, I actually grew up playing a lot of games. I was a Nintendo kid. Got a Nintendo when I was in third grade. I had to quit gaming. I started to realize I had a very addictive personality in college. It was after GoldenEye, which tells you everything you need to know. But GoldenEye, I was so addicted to GoldenEye that I started all my dreams. I swear to God, I would only (laughs) have dreams where I was running down hallways. Every dream I had was just me running down a hallway. And it's because I was playing so much GoldenEye that it was... uh, I realized, man, this is taking over my actual brain. It's readjusting my brain chemistry where I'm only dreaming in one certain way, and it's just me running down hallways. Had to quit if I was going to focus on anything else. Oh, my God. That was a pretty seminal game, right? That's that's like a turning point game for, like, N64, I think. It was. Cultural touchstone of the game. Not only as the the FPS genre, which is a first-person shooter, that is a big, a big... uh, glory moment in that in, in that line yeah I mean games. you know it, it's right through, because you got your Wolfenstein you got your Doom you got your Duke Nukem and then I would say GoldenEye is the next big leap in FPS right I mean I don't know the history of this as, as well yeah, as some yeah, others yeah. but those are some that come to mind from my childhood and that's when I said I'm out yeah that's along the lines right there we just looked it up apparently right. one of the most famous uncanny valley moments is uh and I'm looking at a picture of this that Harry's put on my screen. Truly disconcerting. Apparently, in Twilight, <laughs> in Twilight, the final in the final movie of the Twilight series, there was an animatronic baby, and uh, it was supposed to be very intelligent, but the eyes make it look completely horrifying. Just actually horrifying. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> they took it too far. Don't don't have bad dreams about that one now. Ooh, that can ooh, easily happen ooh. with those. Ooh. Okay, so you're working in gaming. 
you're helping to you're helping to enact this technology, helping to develop this technology. Yeah. How does one get into uh, you? You got to go to school for this. You know, that's a uh, that's a step on the journey. Seems to me like before we hear about that step on that journey, why don't we go ahead and hear about the other journeys, the journeys of your life and how your life might be aided by products and services as provided by our advertisers. Please do check these guys out. Uh, use the promo codes if anything appeals to you. helps the show. We'll be back with more phone call just after this. Thanks again to all of our sponsors. Now let's get back to the phone call. How does one get into uh, You, you got to go to school for this. I did. And, and look, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. I, I, went, I went to my community college. Um, at the same time, I was going to high school. So I got my associate's Whoa. before my high school diploma. Good for you. Um, I've never heard and, of that. Yeah. There's a, a program called Doing Romans. And so I did that from ninth grade through 12. And wow. by, by my senior year of high school, all I was doing was taking like wood shop, auto shop, and machine shop courses. Right. And uh, they called me a shop kid. Because I, I took all my credits through college, and those apply back into my high school as well. <laughs> no, wait, let me ask you. Because <laughs> I would have to imagine, so you're studying this at a college level. You're starting, you're heading for an associate's degree. This is stuff where you need to know woodworking, metalworking. You're going to be working with models. You're going to be working with puppets. You, you understand this is a goal. I know from my high school experience, the shop kids were not necessarily the motivated ones who were getting ahead Academically, the shop. Oh, they were the worst. The that's, shop kid. The phrase "shop the kid." Kids that don't do anything. The shop kid. The <laughs> phrase "shop kid" was used to a, a for the kid who would like burn you with a cigarette while you were waiting for the bus. That was the shop kids. By the way, I have a weird laugh. So if you hear a squeak, that's my laugh. I'm it did sorry. sound. So you, I wasn't certain what laugh. was happening. <laughs> it makes me want to make you laugh for the entirety of the rest of this phone call. That's your laugh. Stop. <laughs> Stop! We're not talking about animation anymore. What? Oh, Chris. <laughs> That's your laugh. That's your real laugh. Oh, the, yeah. This can't it's, be. It's a plague. It's a curse and a gift. How did? Has that been your? Please. Wait. I, I was telling myself not to laugh. And I was like, oh, it's going to happen. That, has that been your life your whole life? Yeah. Well, it, it, it actually honestly started after puberty. It was the weirdest thing. Do other people and in your just, family have just, this laugh? My son, he's a year old. He laughs and he squeaks. And, I'm, and I don't know if it's just because he's, he's a baby or if that's his laugh. Well, I'm might, not quite sure. I wonder if he's mimicking you. So when you started Maybe. laughing like that, I people got enough pro- problems in puberty with like all of a sudden there's weird patches of hair and their bodies are, are growing out of control. And you also developed like a, 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 a laugh that sounds like a, go- <laughs> a like a, laugh, yeah. like a goose, like a goose. A goose. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, my best friend, uh, he, he loves my laugh. And and he'll defend my laugh in public places. I love your uh, laugh. So like, <laughs> I've been at comedy shows where I, 
like oh. they purposely like my friends want to sit me in the front so I can laugh and then see the reaction of the comedian. You, and I'm like, please don't. Like, I don't. It, well, here's the thing I'll say: someone with your laugh, I would have to imagine as a comedian, the way they react to that, and I, I mean, they they have to address it a lot of the time, I bet. And the way they do that, I would argue, can immediately tell you their actual skill as a comedian. Because the people who aren't confident enough yet are going to make fun of you for it. And there's going to be other people who realize okay. that it's such a gift. And I bet you've had that experience where some comedians embrace it and make it a positive. And I, I, that speaks to their skill. Because yeah. I'll say this. I have a pretty obnoxious laugh. You've heard it on the podcast. And uh, I had a That's friend. not bad. It's good. It goes big, though. It goes big fast. You can't ever, you never make fun of someone for how they laugh. I'll beg you out there in the world if you're listening to this. You don't laugh because a laughter, laughter is an expression of joy. And laughter, comedy and horror are the two genres where you don't get to pick if and when you react. You don't get to choose when you laugh. Everybody knows a forced laugh when they hear one. Everybody knows a genuine laugh. It's a beautiful thing to express your joy. It's why I'm addicted to doing what I do. I'll never make fun of you for your laugh. That being said, I will laugh in response to your laugh. I will laugh very hard (laughs) when I hear your laugh. You'll laugh with me. (laughs) I will laugh with you, but I will never judge it because a laughter is an expression of joy that's like killing a mockingbird. You can't ever judge someone for how they laugh. People got weird laughs. That's joy. Never judge that. You never make someone feel embarrassed or shamed for experiencing joy. Can't do that. I'll tell you what, and this is, a short theory of mine, because I, I do have a weird laugh, and so I, the, the thought of what is laughter has occurred to me at certain times in my life, and I've come to a conclusion, and I may be completely wrong, but this is my opinion. It's Laughter is a mating call. Because as, yeah. as a species, you're a human. And just think about it. Do you, do you as a person want to be around people who make you laugh, or do you as a person want to be around people who make you cry? Or just make you have bad feelings? I mean, I'm hoping and they want to be around a, people who do both, baby. Oh, and they want to be around people oh, who do okay, both, okay. baby. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that's just a short theory I had. But no, I think it's that true. That is my laugh. I think people are attracted to laughter. Attracted to those who can make them laugh. Um, I will say with that laugh, maybe that's why there's 20 fucking ducklings around at all times. <laughs> you got jokes. I do. Uh, I mean, if you start the call by telling me you're surrounded by 20 <laughs> ducklings... And then it turns out this is your laugh. I have to point out that maybe you're surrounded by ducklings more often than the average person on the street. <laughs> I, I have had uh, birds come around me because no, laugh, not ducklings. Please. No. Yes, yes. Your laugh yes. attracts birds. I've been, with, I've been with friends that my laugh has attracted birds and then they just break out laughing themselves. Your laugh somehow tunes into the language and frequency of certain birds where they think that it's either like a mating call or a distress signal. You can communicate with birds via your laugh? Apparently. I mean, I don't do it purposely, nor do I, you know, like Spider-Man. I don't use my power to like capture birds because I don't want to. I mean, yeah, with great power comes great responsibility. Great responsibility. Hell yeah, dude. There you go. Hell yeah, dude. That is... (laughs) I've never... I've 17 years where my... uh, my profession is basically to try to produce the sound of laughter from other human beings. You have by far the most unique laugh I've ever heard. I, I highly appreciate that. I'll make sure to tell my best friend about it. I'm pretty sure he'll, he'll enjoy that, that, yeah. that compliment. Just you walking around laughing, getting followed by ducklings. It's pretty great. 
especially at my workplace. Like when I started working here and I laughed for the first time, they started a tally on the board of who can make me laugh the most. So like they there was a competition to. on just, you know, and it was, it was my first job out of school. And so I was like, no, this works, I guess. Wow. And it was just, because it, 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 it was entertaining. I, I didn't mind it because they were trying to make me laugh all day. It's, trying, it's like being at a stand-up show all day long. So That's awesome. That's good. good that you can just own it. We have looked up other Uncanny Valley moments. Apparently, there, I mean, there's been a lot. People talk about this a lot, huh? Apparently, Beowulf, Polar Express, and Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. Oh, all Polar are, Express. Really? That's known for And then a, apparently in Shrek, the producers had to go back and dial down the realism of the character of Fiona because the skin was so realistic. They, they, the animators felt like they were animating a corpse and it didn't feel right. Oh, wow. So Polar Express, that was one that you were like, oh, yeah. Uh, actually, and I, I want to make this note because I do know people who've worked on Polar Express and my laughter. You know people know who I am when they hear their laughter. Yeah, so, you just outed yourself hard in, in your itself, I did, I did. But the reason why that movie was has the uncanny valley feel is because it was it was rushed out right and so i just want to make that one out there it's still a great film and to this day it's played every christmas yeah and also let's be clear you're being really cool about it and for anybody who is listening who may know you now i'm not asking you to talk shit about this it's just it's a very fascinating concept that you uh, brought up and everyone who works in your field it sounds like has to focus on this merging of like these theories and this technology and everyone's trying to figure this out and wrap their head around it. So I'm not trying to ask you to talk shit about your peers. I'm just trying to say okay, okay. what a cool, fascinating thing. When you do a very cursory Google search, here's what comes up when people um, talk about this. So I'm not, I'm not yeah. trying to put you on the spot and say condemn or defend your peers. I'm saying, oh, that thing that we've been talking about? Oh, yeah, here's some examples. So that's on me. That's not on yeah, me. Yeah. So were you an art okay. kid? Were you like the kid? Were you always the kid who could draw like crazy? Oh, absolutely not. Really? I could drawing. Yeah. So how do you I'll get draw. into animation? I like drawing. How do you get so motivated to do well, this that you take college classes during high school? That's the thing. When So back, back to the school thing, right? When I, I was doing the college courses, I had to pick a, a career. And I was at a very downtime in my life where, like, I was, like, couch surfing and just, like, sleeping in my car and all this crap. And I was like, I in just high need school? to go somewhere. And, yeah, man. Let's not get into it. Guess that. That just gets bad. But you just got to come out punching. So um, <laughs> I, I go ahead and I'm like, animation. You know, like, I love, I love films. They are what makes me happy. And some of my happiest moments were watching these with my dad. So let's go ahead and try this and so i tried it out and i realized that you know like drawing is is pretty good because to know animation you got to know the principles of animation and you got to know how to draw to a certain extent because when you're working with 3d characters it's more about moving a puppet around in time and space and getting the certain actions out you know that you could do with 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 video reference yeah. like a lot of the films that are made nowadays i'm pretty sure all of them have video reference that the animators looked at to go ahead and make these films and so I said, I'm going to try animation, right? So I, I graduated high school, had my associates, and I went to my university down where I'm at. And it was fun. But their art program was the equivalent. And I'm uh, sorry, Sally, and sorry to your aunt. But it was, it was, you shit in the corner, you break a glass vase on it, and then you put a sign next to it, and that's art. It was very contemporary. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not my type of art. 
Yeah. And so yeah, I said, I got to go. On the ground, yeah. And I went to, yeah, I, I got, a, I got, I, I applied to SCAD, which is an art school in Savannah. Uh-huh. And, uh, Pretty well-known art school. you were just in Savannah. You were just in Savannah, correct? I was, yeah. I was there for two days. Beautiful town. So you might have seen the word SCAD. Oh, yeah. In a lot of places, because they, they essentially own that city. And yeah. that's where I was at. You went to SCAD. Yeah, I went to SCAD. And it was great. And it was extremely expensive, but... The guidance was amazing. Yeah. And I say guidance because they, they teach you how to teach yourself, you know? That's cool. And, uh, and I did that and I graduated and I got a job and, you know, and I got a little son. He's cute. Baby has my laugh. How old are you? And 26. 26. Wow. I tell you, I'm not going to ask. You don't want to go into it, but just connecting the dots the idea that you were sleeping in a car in high school, you showed this type of motivation. You went and got an associate's degree while you were in school. SCAD is no joke. That's one of the top art schools in the country. Even I know that. The fact that you're now working in the field that you chose, you're raising a kid at a young age. I got to say, you don't have to tell me anything about it. I'm not going to bother you about it, but just connecting those dots. Holy shit, you're, uh, you really toughed it out. You really held it together, huh? It's interesting. Look, my the way I, I see the world is, is is a lot different than, than than others. It's like I wasn't handed a great deck of cards, right? My and and I'll go into a little bit uh, just because I don't mind because I've told the story many times when people ask. Uh, my dad went to jail for some cocaine stuff in Miami. Um, like the year I was born, if not a few months into me being born, so he was in jail for five years. Wow. In that time, my mom quite literally sold everything and, and like messed everything up, messed the whole situation. But he kind of left it so everything was safe for us. And uh, and so that that became, you know, it was like, all right, now we're just going to have to be moving everywhere. And just, this is our life. And, um, and that, that was completely okay. And over time, like I was growing up and my mom was extremely hard on me in school. And, I, and to this day, I, I think it, it was a little over the top, but she did instill a lot of good in me. But at the same time, in that, in in doing so, uh, she she created a lot of hate in me towards her because of how she came onto doing these things. And it was it was it was what it is. And the the only thing I could never forgive for her, right? Um, so she, she has a girlfriend, and she's had a girlfriend. She she had two when I was growing up, and then she stayed with one, and she's been with her for about twelve years. And mm-hmm. so to me, to me that was completely normal. But she's always had this feeling of guilt that she wasn't with a man or anything. And I'm like, yo, it's okay. She's like, no, you don't want to be around me because I'm like, no, that's not the reason. Because you're crazy, you know. <laughs> and and it's become to a point where 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 we're estranged, you know. It's it's that relationship, and that's she hasn't sad. met my son. And it sucks. Ah, that's but sad. it is what it is, you know. I'm sorry about that. Hello? Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh wow. That story got so emotionally sure. intense that the phone couldn't handle it anymore. Had the phone phone blinked out. <laughs> sorry about that. Now sometimes you laugh and it sounds like a laugh. 
And then sometimes you laugh. Yeah, because it's, it's a chuckle. It's yeah. It's a chuckle. So when you chuckle, it sounds like a laugh. And when you laugh, it sounds like a novelty toy being squeezed, like a dog toy being squeezed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's essentially it. You know, this is now becoming just a pissing contest of me trying to describe your laugh in a way that gets, <laughs> gets you to laugh. And then you're really trying hard to keep a straight face because you don't want to give that to me. But now that I'm going meta and I'm explaining this contest that's brewing between us, this laugh contest, you're now laughing because it's, it's, yeah, it's clear that we both know I'm trying to get you to laugh and you don't want to laugh. But I will say, in my experience, the number one thing that gets a person to laugh is telling them you're not allowed to laugh. I agree. Because I know what pe- people always try to make me laugh, and that's kind of that's kind of it right there. That's the one thing that always gets me. So it works. I'm just saying, anyone listening right so, now, anyone listening right now, would be so mad <laughs> if you left right now. <laughs> How come? Because they're gonna veer off to the side of the road and crash their cars. <laughs> I, you know what's funny? I, I listen to everything about your life. show a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I listen to your show a lot when I'm Ubering because SCAD is an amazing school, but SCAD is a very expensive school. Yes. And so sometimes you make me laugh and I am driving and I'm like, come on, guys. You can't. You got to stop this, man. You got to stop the jokes. So you're here. I am on the phone with you. <laughs> not, not driving. And there you go. <laughs> oh no, oh no, oh no, now I have the giggles. Oh no, oh no, 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 stop, stop. Oh no, oh no. great power comes great responsibility, guys. <laughs> I got some cards. I'm gonna throw it. I might throw it. It's funny. Oh god. Oh god. I hope you're okay, guys. I clearly need to catch my breath. My guess is that a lot of listeners are also maybe needing to just take a deep breath and calm down. Perfect point for advertising. A lot of times people go, whoa, whoa, break up the momentum for ads. Not this time. I bet there are a lot of people going, thank God I need to take a breath and actually sit and listen to these ads this time. That's good. Check them out. Use the promo codes. Helps the show when you do. We'll be back with more phone call. Thanks again to all of our advertisers for helping us get this show to the world for free. Now let's finish off the phone call. Oh, God. I hope you're okay, guys. I am. I just left so (laughs) 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 hard. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm so sorry. No, it's not your fault. I I asked for it. It was a Pandora's box. I, uh... Oh, God. Yeah, I'm just getting over a stomach virus a couple days ago. And then I laughed so hard that my... Oh, my God. I just found out that it's like a loop. I got to be careful because I want to make you laugh because I find it funny, but I find it so funny that it's actually dangerous for me. 
Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. Hello? Yeah. Okay, so did you... So... Yeah. I mean, I mean, where does this go, Gus? Because this, this could be a laughing competition, <laughs> but it's not healthy for you, clearly. As a comedian, I would expect that to be good, but you can't handle a laugh. No, here's what our... Because we got 19 minutes left. This one's flying by. Here's what it's going to be, clearly. Okay. I'm going to just try to ask you about animation. <laughs> And I'm going to pray you don't laugh along the way because it's just going to be, it's just going to, every time it's going to be like a house of cards that falls down again. So, uh. Okay. So did you, how. I'll try to hold my composure. So SCAD, that SCAD degree goes a long way. You must be able to get a job right out of school with that thing, right? No, absolutely not. Oh, uh, SCAD degree doesn't go a long way. No. It doesn't? So, uh, I, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. Um, I wasn't even asked for my degree when I got my job. Oh, wow. I, when, when he graduate, when he graduate, our version of a resume is a resume attached with a demo reel right. showing what you're capable of doing. Right. right. And so if you spent your years at SCAD partying down in downtown, then let me tell you, your, your resume is not going to look pretty. And right. so I know your demo reel is not going to look pretty. And so no company is going to hire you. So there could also and be a prodigy. Kind of You're like, in an industry still young enough, too, that there could be some prodigy who never went to school, and if they can bring it, they can bring it, and they'll get hired. Well, if you can bring it, you can show it. And if you, yeah. and if you, can, you have it, but you don't show it, that's not going to take you anywhere. Right. So it's an I environment where the that. school, if you go and buckle down and do the work, you put your head down, do the work, learn the technology, learn how to merge it with art, SCAD's a great place that can teach you to do that, and then you still have to go do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll tell you... Where I, I learned a lot of my stuff is like, so my upbringing was a lot of couch surfing. What I loved to do deeply in my heart was grab my laptop and sit down at a Starbucks at seven in the morning and not leave to 12 right. at night. Right? right. And what I would do is, is I would, I, I had access to an online uh, digital training library called Digital Tutors, which is now Pluralsight. Wow. Um, and they were amazing because I could use my time in so many other ways, but I'm like, I want to do this. And if I want to do this, then I got to, I, I got, I got to really do my art. And I would just sit down and do all these tutorials. And I, I must've gone through like most of their library for the stuff I wanted to do. And when I got to college, SCAD particularly, I realized that a lot of the kids there got out of high school and just came here and they didn't have any of the stuff that, you know, like they weren't aware of, of what program it was or like the in or even how to use it, which is the main part. And I was like, well, I kind of got an advantage. And so it was, it was just an interesting thing, you know, to see that all the work I put in while in a shitty situation did pay off big time. Cause when I was in school, I was doing, I was doing so well and, 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 and getting stuff going, you know? Yeah. And good for you. Cause it's uh you know, adversity can, can a, a lot of kids, a, a lot of kids who have a dad in prison, who have a mom who's maybe got uh, a lot of these guilt issues getting in between you, they're not going to react to that advers- adversity by buckling down and finding a quiet place to go work and find their way out of it. That's real. It's really, I mean, it, so many things that you've said that I can connect the dots and realize like, that's a really special thing. A lot of people go get in trouble. You didn't do that. You went the other way. God, I am so scared you were going to laugh. I am so scared at any point. I can barely talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding it. Um, yeah, you just barely this, held that this one. Goes, 
I did, I did. But this goes back to, to why I'm thankful for a lot of stuff my mom did. Like my, my dad passed away when I was 12 out of wow. uh, esophageal cancer. I'm sorry. And, uh, and my relationship buckled out with my mom at that point. But at the age of 12, I started working at like the local flea market, jumping. I was a 12-year-old kid. I was like, hey, if you need someone to work for, I will pay you like 30 bucks a day. I'm like, okay. And I, I'll just, I, did, I did dollar stores. I, I sold furniture, which is the one I did for a long time. I sold kitchen stuff and I learned and I learned how to hustle that way with that, you know? And I mean, I'm in South Florida. I'll just say like that. So like you get a good mix of people and Haitians were one of the biggest ones in, in the street market. And I love Haitians. They can hustle anything. And so I was a 12 year old kid trying to hustle with a Haitian cause he wanted this at $10 when it was 30. And over time over five years of this, you get me? It was it was like training. It's what it was. I mean, yeah, I was getting paid and it was crap, but like I learned how to talk to people and I learned how to how to be more open and just just humble about things because yeah. I I see people coming through every day and people who go to the flea market sometimes don't have much and like you could see it just in their faces. You could read people, which is also part of animating. You got to be able to you know like walk the walk. Right. And look, and this is actually something I want you to do. I don't want you to picture a sunset, even though I pictured that sunset. It was beautiful when <laughs> when she said it. I, next time you're in public, yeah. Next time you're in public, I want you to stand behind someone who's walking and copy their walk, copy the shoulder movement, copy any limp or any slight limp they might have, the hand movement, and that will get you in the mentality of that person. You, you're going to see a lot of things just by that, you know. And I learned this. At a young age, and then it came back up because, like, one of my professors said, "Do this, you know, like, figure out who a person is." I'm like, you know, like I've done that for a while. Holy crap! And so, now that's good it, advice, it's, and it sounds like a cool exercise. I will remind you, I live in New York City, where that may get me killed. Oh my god! <laughs> I forget about that. I, I've never been to New York, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, if you just follow someone and mock them, like they'll mimic them, they will take that as mockery, and you might. You might get screamed at oh. on the subway for that. You might get me killed. I'm sorry. Ne- next time you're in Savannah, do it for sure. They understand. <laughs> yes, everyone's so nice there. Everyone's so nice there. <laughs> it is. Yeah, now... Uh, uh, but yeah, so... Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, how much, like... So you're you're working... You, you can't say in exactly what, but, like, you're working gaming. You've mentioned there's so much, like, uh, augmented reality type stuff right now. This is... Uh, this stuff is going to change everything, huh? Yeah. I feel like. <laughs> yes. You you look at it, you're like, like even, even like you look at all the stuff Disney's like rumored to be doing with their new Star Wars theme park. And you're like, oh, it's just going to be like Westworld. There's going to be a real Westworld where you go live on reality in a theme park. Like that yeah. stuff's coming, huh? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Wow. It's crazy. It's, the future of the world is, is, is changing, and a lot of people don't realize it, and, and it's going to be really exciting. Yeah, you got these puppets. So how long did it take It'll you to get uh, How long after you got out of school until you got your gig? Um, graduated in March. I got a job. Graduated in March, I got a job like a month after. This I, year? I was applying while I was... Yeah, no, this was uh, uh, 2015. Years ago, okay. So I've been three years. Yeah, that's cool. That's great. That's it's, it's, cool. it's like that VR realm type of stuff, and it's 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 really awesome. Yeah, yeah. 
That yeah. stuff's cool. That stuff's cool. I like that. Yeah, man. It's a. Uh, it's funny, so many of the early calls to this podcast, and I think this podcast still gets unfairly stereotyped because a lot of it early on was like struggling artists looking to find way. I think a lot of that is because that's how people who knew me before this podcast, that's one of the major things they related to me on. You, you're the guy who found public access and built a career off of it, you know, when your career was failing. Like, yeah. It's really nice to talk to you, um, you know, a couple years into doing the podcast because I think it's such a reminder. I bet you'd be, agree with me. The advice I always give every artist, you can you can sit and wonder why it's not working out as much as you want. You can sit around and, and say, I got all the skills in the world. If you're not a hustler and you're not resilient yeah. and you can't figure out how to have a thick skin, don't be an artist. Yeah. You got all yeah. those things. I do. And I'll tell you what, someone recently told me, like, because my, I, I pay a month uh, $1,300 in student loans, right? That's ridiculous. And so... Wait, 1300 for what? I do have a ch- my student loans. Oof. That's a month. Yeah. That's my monthly payment with Miss O Sally May, Auntie Sally. And so <laughs> what I got to do, right, is I was told the other day, like, you're the definition of a hustle. I'm like, what do you say? Like, you got so many jobs. And I do Uber... I, I do some gigs at CVS where I do surveys for people. I, I have my main job, which provides me with my health care and everything for my child and my family and, and, and like the main source of income. But, and, I, and I also make pens. And so it's like, I, I got to do all these other things and just to make, make up for, for the burden of, of what student loans do to kids. And it's crazy. It's nuts. Yeah. You know, because I have a good paying job, but there's a lot of my friends, most of them, they graduated, don't have a job, and I don't know how the crap they're making it. Yeah, it's scary to me. There's a flawed system where we uh, we shrink social services and then also ask kids to start their adult lives $100,000 in debt. That's just very scary. I'll, I'll tell you what. The future of education, and, I, and I'm 100% with this, is going to be online. It's going to be online training. And it's going to be about skill sets. It is. Right. And a a lot of kids are getting taught that it's not about that. That's about a degree. And unless you want to be a doctor, excuse me, unless you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or something that does require a degree, then I don't, I don't think you got to go to school. Just apply yourself. There's enough online training to do most of it. You're going to get me in trouble with my mom. Cause I always, I've, I've gone on record being like, don't go to college. It's dumb. I shouldn't say that, but I should say if you're directionless, and you're not sure at all what you want to do, like I was, take a gap year until you figure it out. Yeah. Don't spend that yeah. money just to spend that money. We don't live in that age. Like you said, I'm like you. You found these things that became your real school that you knew, and then you went to school with some intent and purpose to follow. Same thing. I found the UCB Theater. That was my real college, comedy. That was my comedy college. I should have done that. I should have done that. Yeah. And that. Not everybody should do comedy college. I don't want every asshole who signs up for an improv class to blame me. I don't want that. Sorry, I just called <laughs> But if you realize you want to do that, you're right. I think specialized focus training is the way of the future. I think a lot of us, a lot of us uh, middle-class privileged people, we used to like, la- the DeVry commercials would come on TV, right? You'd see like the TV trade school commercials. You'd be like, ho, 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 those infomercials for schools. It's like, no, I think that's the way of the future. I think small specialized yeah. programs that focus on real applicable skills that don't cost uh, you six uh, figures, that's the future. I think you're yeah. right. 
Udemy is beautiful. And like they'll say it's $100 for a course, you know, put it on your wish list in a week, they'll send you a $10 discount. You know, like I, I, I don't work for Udemy, so this is not any commercial for them. But I, I, I use them to then give my, like sit down and learn new things so I, I'm more valuable to the companies I work for. And it's like, I wish that was voiced to the coming age of kids that are growing up. Yeah. Because they're, they're still trying to sell them the, the idea of Harvard. And Harvard's great, but if you don't want to do it, if you want to be anything like that requires that, don't do it. It's, and it's, it's a Harvard, and it's a role that, that, you can, that you can see, but it's not one you have to take, you know? I also feel like there's this thing of like, you can be whatever you want to be. And I think there's some truth to that, but it's also a dangerous thing to say to a young person because I think the second half of it should be you can be whatever you want to be, but the first thing you need to do to get that isn't to go to that. It's to start putting tools in your toolbox. You got to build those tools first. By all means, chase a dream, but you better have when, if you're going to chase it, when you get that chance, you better know exactly, you better have your, your knives sharp when you get there. You know what I mean? You better know. You better have yeah. done thousands of reps on all the tools you need to be successful, so that when that lucky moment does present itself, you're not still a dreamer. You're a worker. Yep. I agree. Look at that. We got all you serious. Know, I thought this stuff was all going to be yeah, all no, about trying cool. to make you laugh and hear that honk noise again. That honk laugh. <laughs> Instead, we got real serious. It'll come. But but it it is. A, a thing that's very important and I believe I believe you know like the internet is changing and it's it, it, it becomes something that will be voiced more and more when professionals uh, who are graduating now or have graduated in, in the recent years start start voicing their concerns and um, I think and so they, and they're the ones that are having kids and they are going to see the system they were put into was flawed you know so it's like uh, yeah, that's like I'll tell you what. If if my son wants to be a doctor, I'll pay for your school. But if you want to be an artist, let's talk about what you want to paint with. Let's go to Blick. Let's go buy some stuff. Yeah, you know, it's simple as that. Step one, <laughs> and then I'm so sure too. If it's and there's real potential shown, and it seems like there's real, even more important than potential dedication shown. All right, now what school do you think gives you the best shot? And let's talk about getting you there now that you've proven it. But I think that you're right. I think in the future, our generation and younger, going to be a lot of people going. I want you to prove to me before we get in, before we start talking about funding this school. Prove to me first that you're going to work through it and you're going to get something out of it. Yeah. Because it's ruining people's lives. In some cases, in a lot yeah. of cases, no. But especially for people who aren't privileged. You're starting at such a deficit yeah. when you come out of it, and man, is it not easy. And and again, I'm not judging. You're a hustler. But the fact that you've just said you have a full-time job, then also drive Uber, and also do work on the side at other places is another thing that's reflective. A lot more people doing that, and they're convincing us that this, uh, this gig economy, as they call it, is like, oh, yeah, yeah, find some fun work on the side. And it's like, well... It's not fun work on the side you for know, everybody. A lot of times, it's in, in, the cost of living has outpaced has outpaced our ability to pay for life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah big time, big time. The cost of living is is, is another bubble. I just don't want to get into. That's that's nuts. Especially yeah. for like the reason why I had a kid so young um, is because my girlfriend and I decided we're like 
we want to enjoy our kids. We don't want to be, you know, like, we don't want to be 40 and then say, let's have a kid. Not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but it's like, we're young. <laughs> yeah, you we caught, have all this energy. You yourself we want to go to Disney. Caught yourself. <laughs> yeah, you caught yourself talking to a 37-year-old guy who doesn't have a kid yet, and you said, not that there's anything wrong with I'm that. I'm sorry, you, no. You caught yourself. I'm like, I did, I did, I did. <laughs> but I'm like, we have all this energy. We want to go to Disney just as bad as he does. We want, I, I still want to play with the same toys and Hot Wheels he has. Yeah, so, that's cool. You know, because cause, cause I'm a kid at heart. And it's like, I let's have a kid now. And, and it's, it's come out pretty good, pretty well. And I would bet with you, with your dad not being around and then you losing your dad, I bet there's also a part of you that's like, I want to, I want to, like that that childhood. Yeah. I, yeah, it, yeah. It's probably really important to you to make sure your kid's childhood is that ideal one and is that one where you're really involved in all those aspects. I have to imagine that there's that. Yeah. To the point that he might be a little spoiled, but I'll tone down a little bit after this first year. It yeah, just yeah. happened. I'm sure. I mean, you're the <laughs> you know type. I mean? There's there's no way your kid's not going to work hard, right? Like, that's the start. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's and, the starting and, point. Yeah. You know, he's, he's going to know dad's a kid, but he's going to know dad's serious, too. It's, it's, it's kind of learning how to balance the equilibrium between, between both really well. Because I, that's. That's honestly what, what life is about to me. It's like, it's like you, you can, this world is, is I, I'm sorry, but this is my way of viewing it. It's like this world is kind of like, for all we know, this is an illusion, right? So we could treat it as, as, as it is. There's no reason not to laugh when you're sad. There's, you know, like the whole point of this is to enjoy yourself while you're here. And like, and through my upbringing, which hasn't been great, that's what I've learned. You know, like when time's the worst, laugh at it. Because, to be honest with you, oh, oh really? Here is only going on up. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh, when life's at its worst, <laughs> you laugh at it, huh? Just laugh. Just laugh really? at it, man. How's that go? How's that turn out for you? Well, look at me now. <laughs> you know, pretty well. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. We have less than a minute left. <laughs> Oh, we couldn't have planned this better. Oh, no. Oh, this is my dream come true. That you would go, this is everything I have, this is the stereotype of my career, and this show is like heartfelt, emo bullshit, and then the most cockamamie thing that could possibly be layered with that. That's... Stop, please! Stop! Oh no! <laughs> you're not, you're, you're oh, not this man. oh my god! Oh my god! I'm crouched <laughs> over the garbage can as it says. I'm crouched <laughs> over a garbage can. <laughs> Caller, thank you so much. That was so fun. I really like you. I like what you do. I like how you got there, and your laugh. Could not be better. It's a real cold day in New York, and I feel like I just laid in a summer field, and then there was a slight drizzle to cool. That's, I feel refreshed listening to that cartoon laugh. That was also the, by, by far the most easily identifiable caller in the history. Anyone who's ever met you knows that was you. Thank you for calling. Thank you to Harry Nelson for feeding me all that info on the Uncanny Valley. Thank you, Jared O'Connell, for being the backbone of this show. 
Thank you to the Reverend John Delore. Thank you, Greta Cohen, for helping to build it. Thanks, Shellshack, for the music. Want to know about me, including the uh, beautiful anonymous residency at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York, February 2018. ChrisGeth.com for tickets. If you like the show, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. See you next time. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.